Welcome back to the Just Chillin' Podcast. Today I'm here with Mark Pellegrino. He's an actor and he's most famous for his roles on Supernatural and um, 13 Reasons Why. What, what role would you say that you're most famous for? <laughs> most famous for? Um, it's a toss-up between um, Lucifer from Supernatural and Jacob from Lost, I think. Okay. So... Um, You've worked on a Netflix set and like CW sets. What what's the difference between like a Netflix set and a more traditional set like um, the CW set? Um, the difference is, you know, the the storylines are shorter, and they tend to know an entire storyline for Netflix, uh, um, and so the the stories are a lot more cohesive, and and um, whereas for the CW, uh, 23 episodes of television uh, is a lot of, of episodic TV um, to come up with every year. And, and a lot of times it doesn't seem like they know the end when they start brainstorming from the beginning of a show. So the show more or less creates itself as it's going along. And in a Netflix show where you have eight or ten episodes, you know the arcs of the characters and where they're going pretty much from the beginning. You know, so you'll have a you'll have a a circumstance like in a in a CW show where you think the character's development is going one way, and that's what you're acting, and then find out, you know, five episodes later that what you're acting didn't quite work <laughs> for their vision of the for their vision of the show. Um, it all washes out, and everybody, most people don't seem to notice those inconsistencies, but. It's a, it's a lot harder to get those inconsistencies on your show with a shorter lifespan, right? Yeah. And then executive producers and everybody's sort of on hand, more hands-on in Netflix than they are in the CW. Do you think that's what makes Netflix so much more successful than these network TV shows? Or like, um, just because they have everything planned out instead of just um, keep on rolling and doing like same storyline sort of thing? I mean, I think that's part of it for sure. Um, you know, they also have the resources uh, to be a little bit more risky than a, than a network show. Networks are going to want, you know, any big company is going to sort of rely on old models because they want to, you know, continuously generate viewers. Um, I think that's becoming antiquated. I think, I think people are starting to see that all this great original content that's being produced at places like Netflix is really stimulating, you know, out for everybody and everybody likes seeing racy stuff, you know, stuff that they wouldn't be able to see on network television. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's partly because they have more control over the content, partly because it's more, it's more open forum, right? It's, there's less, they have to worry about less of a general audience. It's, you know, you, you purchase your subscription to Netflix. And so you can, you, it's like you're filtering out, uh, you're filtering out like, you know, little kids and, and stuff that they, you know, that they still have to work with in, uh, in, in network television. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So, um, you're on the Netflix TV show, 13 instances. Why, um, yeah. are you going to be on like any other, um, types like Netflix types of uh, companies like, um, Disney plus or Hulu? Are you going to be on any of those TV shows? Um, I had a, a job with Showtime uh, before the pandemic hit, so I'm hoping that is still there. But you know, with the way things are going, who knows? 
Um, I do have an audition that I'm supposed to put on tape in the next couple of days for a Hulu show. Oh. So, uh, I mean, all of our futures are up in the air. So who knows, who knows what's going to stick and what isn't, right? That's true. Yeah. So are you doing any like filming currently or like were you planning on doing any filming before the pandemic? Yeah, I was in Pittsburgh. I was in Pittsburgh. I was getting ready to do a show for Showtime. I was supposed to be there from April till about June. And then uh, and the pandemic hit and they sent me back, sent, sent everybody back. We all went back home to our various uh, states and, um, and we're on hold until further notice. So uh, until the states are completely um, freed up and they let people more than 10 people assemble in a place, then I think uh, most of the film industry is going to be on hold because, you know, it takes more than 50 people to make a film, a TV show. You yeah. know, you're on a soundstage, you're there with, you know, 7,500 people. That's, yeah. So um, would you say it takes more effort to make a TV show or like um, to make a movie? Which one, like, would it take or, yeah. Yeah, it depends. It depends on the show, right? I mean, uh, I've made movies with crews of only six people. You know, it's called guerrilla filmmaking, where you steal shots from places and you do it as quickly as you can. Uh, and, uh, and, and TV used to be a very fast medium, so that was, that was what was working against TV. You know, you just churned out material week after week after week. You'd shoot seven, eight, nine pages a day. Um, and for 13 reasons why I've even shot as much as 19 pages in one day. Um, and in, and in film, most big feature films, you shoot two pages a day. So you have a lot, a lot more time, but, but you know, when you're shooting independently and your budget's small, then you're going to have to, you have to cram a lot of stuff in uh, a comparable amount of time to a TV show. So there's really no differences when it comes down to it because TV is getting more cinematic. They're bringing over actors from the film world and they're bringing over directors from the film world. Um, and in some respects, uh, cinema is becoming a little more, a little more content intensive, right? Like there's just, there's just so much TV being churned out um, and so much, so many movies and so many mediums where these movies can be developed. Um, it's not just with, big production companies anymore studios you could do a movie on your iphone you know yeah, tangerine true. tangerine was done on an iphone um so it's the, the, the production scales are not quite as easily defined as they used to be way back then. okay so yeah that makes sense um so what was it like filming national treasures you were in national treasures right i was in national treasure yeah okay. Yeah, what was it like um, filming it? It was cool. It was cool. Um, I mean, I loved working with Harvey Keitel. Do you know who Harvey Keitel is? He's an old time actor. So he's old school, 60s, 70s. Um, um, have was you seen the, the, what's was that? the FBI agent? Like the head? He FBI was the F, he, yeah, he was the FBI agent. I was his protege. He had an entourage oh. of like three or four FBI guys that followed him around everywhere. And I was his sec I was his right hand man, and I had a great time working with him. He has a great sense of humor, an easy laugh, and I made him laugh all the time because you know I make funny faces and funny 
voices and uh, he, he he was like a kid that way he just, he just does that stuff i didn't really talk much to nicholas cage he's a little bit more internal and quiet and focused and doing his own thing uh, but i had a great time with the other cast members the other uh, fbi guys and uh john turtletop is a great director he did he did uh, while you were sleeping and a bunch of great great films like that so um yeah, it was great. It's always nice working on a big Jerry Bruckheimer project like that, right? Yeah. Um, so different from uh, from what I'm used to working on, little indie films and, and television. This is like, uh, you know, these multi-million dollar films are a whole different universe. Yeah. So um, I was actually going to ask you that next, but what's the difference from working on like these small films to these like like high production films? Like you yeah, weren't uh, you were in Jurassic World, right? What's that? Were you on Jurassic World? I, I mean, I did a favor for Jeff Goldblum. So, so Jeff, they had like some uh, some scene that eventually got cut. I think it was in the special features, but there was a scene like in Africa or wh wherever we were, Central America, South America, wherever that one takes place. And there was a bunch of drunk tourists at a bar that end up getting in like a fight or something. And Jeff just, we we're, Jeff and I are friends, and he, he asked a bunch of us at the theater if we wanted to just hang out on the set with, uh, with Steven Spielberg and be these extras. And we're like, sure, why not? Um, so we didn't, we didn't do it to be in a movie. We did it to have lunch with Steven Spielberg and listen to him talk about film. And, uh, and um, that's, that's what we did. We sort of played around in this, in this silly scene and then had lunch with Steven Spielberg and went home. It was all fun. Oh, that seems pretty fun. So, so, I mean, I guess I was in it, but I wasn't, I wasn't in it. I was, you know, oh, you were in I was doing a favor. I was doing a favor for a friend. But uh, what is Jeff um, Goldberg like? Did I say his name right? Goldblum. Goldblum. Yeah. What, what's he like? Is he just like as weird? Like, not weird, but like, you know, different personality in real life. Yeah, I mean, what you see is what you get. He's he's uh, he's interesting. He's a little eccentric, not in a bad way, uh, in an interesting way. Uh, he's intellectual and uh, very uh, very vibrant, very alive, very curious, and it comes across in his work. Yeah, I've worked with him for years. I, I've I've loved working with him. He always seems like he's deep in thought and like thinking about something. Hey, he might be. Yeah. Um, did you see his a TV show or a documentary on um, Disney Plus? Uh, is this is this like the world according to Jeff or something? Uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, it, no, I was interviewed for I want to say the New York Times Magazine um, because uh, a, a writer for that is the New York Times or Washington Post. It's one of the big magazines or, or journals. Um, he was doing a story on Jeff Goldblum and he, so he was interviewing a bunch of people who'd worked with him, had a history with him. And I was one of the people they interviewed. So I knew that the show was coming out, but I haven't seen it yet. I bet it's cool. Is it cool? Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty cool. It's very interesting. No, I, gotta see, I gotta see it. Yeah. I bet he dresses great. I love the way he dresses. He does. He's very stylish. It really is. He, it's like very vibrant too. Yeah. Um, so, um, have you ever met Chris Pratt? I've never met Chris. Oh, my dad told me that you were friends with him for some reason. Really? Uh, 
I don't know. But don't you know we all know each other in Hollywood? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so have you ever wanted to be on like a mockumentary TV show? Or have you, yeah. been, have you been on a mockumentary TV show? I've never done a mockumentary, but I'd love to do one. They're great. Okay. And like, how do you think the mockumentary TV shows like Parks and Recreation and The Office dominate um, so many other TV shows? Because like, they're, they're like the top TV shows, or at least I think. I think they're spontaneous and improvisational and uh, people like that, you know, they look very realistic and people I think people are drawn into that the office had a ready-made audience already because it was a British TV show that um, was co-opted by American and turned into an American TV show very different though I'm actually a fan of British TV show I don't know if Parks and Recreations is the same vibe I don't know if it had a European show and an audience and then became an American phenomenon, but um, whatever it is, you get really good improvisational comedians in front of a camera and they can do surprising things. And, um, and that's always fun to watch, right? I like it. It like made Curve Your Enthusiasm very funny because that show doesn't have any scripts, doesn't it? Like... I, you know, I'm one of my friends, uh, Josh Cook, who was a really funny guy, really good stand-up guy and did a, sitcom for a while um, was on that show and you're right I think they write sort of scenarios they they write a rough draft with the idea where they want the scene to go and then they let you just sort of improvise within that and it goes you know it's guided by signposts but you don't know where it's going to go in the end yeah but the thing about that tv show is like the characters they always react in the weirdest way possible like they always like overreact over something Larry David did I think that's what made it so Well, so funny. does he, right? Larry, Larry David's pretty histrionic. Yeah. He's, he's out there. That's true. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you about this. Have you ever met, like, delusional fans that think that you're the character in the TV show? Yeah. Um, and, like, how do they act? What do they do around you? Uh, some of them are terrified. Some of them hate me. Um, some of them love me because they can't separate me from Lucifer. It's all over the map, man. You can't pin, you can't pin any one way of behaving on, on those folks. They're, uh, they're all over the place. Okay. What was the weirdest interaction you've ever had with a fan? Uh, hmm. I mean, I've, I mean, I had one, I had one who kept trying to convince me to go upstairs with her and kept trying to tell me that she, she had to go to my room with me. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I kept saying I'm married and I don't do that stuff. Um, and she kept explaining why I had to do that stuff with her. Well, and all the while not saying that what exactly she wanted to do, but it was pretty clear. Um, that's about the most forward and bizarre experience I had to try to get back up to my room without this person following me. Um, that was hard. Um, but you know, I have, I have fans who, um, copy my signature or get my signature so that they can have it tattooed on their, on their bodies. And, um, I wouldn't call that bizarre, but it's certainly something to think about because that signature is going to be there forever. And I don't think my signature is that pretty. So it's not like, it's not like decorative. That's for sure. 
Uh, so do you get tweeted at a lot whenever that happens? Tweeted at? Yeah. Like- I get I get tweeted at a lot because I'm controversial on Twitter and I don't, I don't uh, hold back my truth. And a lot of celebrities either don't bother to make their truth public, or if they do more often than not, it's it, their truth is in line with the people who are going to hire them. Um, They don't mind getting you upset or, you know, your mom or dad upset they mind um, they mind getting producers and directors and uh, studio heads upset so they tend to hold the same perspectives and those who don't are just quiet about it I don't hold the same perspectives as most people in Hollywood and I'm also not quiet about it and so I've uh, I've become the target of a lot of uh, social media abuse to be honest with you are you talking about uh, like politically yeah okay yeah. so you're more of a conservative then I'm not a conservative. I'm something that you don't understand and that they don't. That's why they attack me. I am what's called a classical liberal. Do you know what that is? Um, No, I actually do not. Right. There's no place for classical liberals in today's uh, political conversation. Um, There's just two versions of people who like the state to bother people for their preferences. So if if you're on the left, you call yourself a liberal, you're not a liberal. You're a leftist. You like you like the state to take things from people and give them to others because you think the people who have the things are bad. They got them by being bad, and the people who don't have the things don't have the things because the bad people took them from them. So you are going to be the angel of justice and take that those stolen goods and redistribute them to the good poor folks. That's essentially the left. Oh, and another aspect of the left is you don't matter. The earth does. So they're willing to take, they're willing to repress you and make sure you don't do anything that will leave a mark on the planet because the planet is the most important thing. You're secondary. So to the left, you, you are second to the earth and to other people. And to the right, uh, the right, you know, wants to crush your, your sexual identity, they want to tell you who to marry, who you can't marry, what kinds of foods, what kinds of drugs you should ingest or not ingest, what, what constitutes law and order, and the nation state. So you're, you're sacrificable to all those. A classical liberal just believes that people should leave you alone, and the government should leave you alone. And the, and the, the task of the government is to protect you from bad people, and that's it. Everything else is up to you. You know, your job is up to you. The amount of money you get paid is up to you. How you spend your money is up to you. Whom you spend your money on is up to you. Who you donate to charity, uh, how much you give to charity is up to you. This classical liberal just believes you're a free human being who can think and act for your own life and nobody should tell you what to do. Um, so would you believe in like not paying taxes or, or like... Well, do I want a protection agency to protect me? Yeah, of course I do. Taxes for like the roads or like the infrastructure? No, I think, I think infrastructure is something that was done for a hundred some odd years by private citizens and it can still be done by private citizens. We don't need the government to, to steal money to deal with our infrastructure. Is it not in your interest to pay for a road? No, especially if you're a business person. It's within your interest to pay for a road. It's within your interest to keep that road up. Okay. And private roads and private roads are are uh, I'm on the I'm on a podcast yeah, already. Okay, awesome. Can you leave them there for me? Okay, thanks. 
and my wife is forcing a macaron on me. You're gonna make me eat it? I'm in the middle of the thing. This is good. Hey, what? Huh? Well. Hello. 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 <laughs> okay. So, it's good. There's not a lot of sugar either. It's right. Nice. Thank you. What was I saying? Um, you were talking about uh, liberal classicism and the beliefs. Um, oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you, you need for roads and infrastructure. That could all be done by private exchange. You don't, you don't need government to force to force uh, money out of your hands. You just need them to protect you, right? They're the guns. You can't, you can't have guns in trade, right? It's called robbery. Oh, yeah, that's true. So but, I at you and I'm like, trade with me. Is that trading? Am I trading no. with you when I go like this? No. But um, what about like armies and protecting our country? Same. Armies, police, and law courts are part of the protective apparatus of government. That's, that's, this actual, that's the actual service that government provides, right? Yeah. Because government is force. Government's force. And so we decide as rational people, you and I, we decide, okay, civilization means what? Civilization means we don't want to use force when we're dealing with each other, right? So if you and I have a conflict, instead of me punching you in the face or you punching me or me taking out a gun or you doing the same to me, we decide to resolve our conflict by taking our conflict to an impartial third party that we call the government and the government resolves our conflict through a process called due process, through legal means, right? Through reason. And that way we've said, we know that the way to live in a society peacefully together is to subordinate our rage, our desire to fight to rational processes. And that's what government is, that's it. But it's still a gun, it enforces everything. It enforces everything at the point of a gun. Yeah. So um, how would you say like Hollywood has impacted your political beliefs or has it? It doesn't seem like it has. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know whether this is fortunate or not. Um, when I first started learning to act, my mentor, Robert Carnegie, um, was, a, was a total outsider in Hollywood um, in every respect. And he leaned in the in the conservative Christian direction, um, but it but it nonetheless got me thinking. It made me open to other perspectives um, because when you're a teenager, you you grow up in state schools. You're going to be a statist. You're going to be on the left. You just are, unless you're ex unless you are fortunate enough to have two parents that can, you know, uh, keep you anchored in something else. You're going that way, and I went that way. I didn't have a parent to anchor me, really. Um, morally i had to find my own way and when he introduced new ideas to me it got me reading a bunch of alternate stuff that i didn't that i hadn't been exposed to before and then i outgrew that and went beyond so i have to say that i went from being a democrat leftist guy to a sort of a conservative sympathizer but never a registered republican to a libertarian leaning and then beyond libertarianism to uh, to capitalism and i started my own political party called the American Capitalist Party. Oh, so who do you vote for in the elections? Do you vote for like somebody in your party or? No, there is nobody in the American Capitalist Party now. It's just a platform. Oh, okay. um, This year, <coughs> excuse me, 
<coughs> I have a macaroon in my throat. <coughs> this year, um, I'm probably going to vote for Justin Amash if he runs, but he'll be in the Libertarian Party. I'm not a fan of libertarianism, but uh, it's better than Joe Joe Biden or Donald Trump, in my view. So okay. I'll go for the guy who will hurt us less. But do you think he even has a chance at winning the election? Doesn't matter. I think <clears throat> I think I think that's the excuse people use. In that that's that's tribalistic. It's like I'll vote for the tribe even though I don't like what the tribe represents, I like a few things. So I'm going to vote for them because they have a chance of winning. No, politics used to be the realm of principle and you have to vote for principle. And, and, and the more people do that, the less you'll see the Democrats and the Republicans will start, will keep control of things. Uh, because I think people tend to be, I think tend to, people tend to be, uh, if I were to put really cliched terms on it, uh, socially liberal and fiscally conservative. They want a responsible government, but they want to be left alone in certain areas of their lives. That's where most people fall. So most people might fall into a libertarian-esque sort of outlook on the way the government should operate. And that means that Democrats or Republicans would be, would be done if people started voting principle tomorrow. And that's what I'm going to do. So I'm voting for Justin Amash, and if he's not the uh, presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party, then I'm not going to vote for the president. I'm just not. Okay. Maybe I'll write myself in. Yeah. Maybe I'll write you in. Maybe but you're too young. Yeah, I'm a little too young. You have to. You have to. You have to be 35. That's that true. You have a very interesting outlook on um, politics for being in Hollywood. Oh, <clears throat> for being in Hollywood, that's pretty interesting. But um, so <coughs> have you had any fans like show up at your front door? No. No, that would be a very bad idea. I mean, I know, I know fans who have shown up at other actors' front doors, and it was not a good reception. So, for any fans thinking about doing that, don't do it. Yeah. It just weirds people out. You know, uh, it's not a good, it's not a good idea. This is this, this the home is your castle. You know, it's your space. It's it's uh, even if you know where the actor lives, don't go there. Yeah. Okay. Well. I think that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for coming that, on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, for, I thought it was yesterday or tomorrow. <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. But thank okay, you for coming cool. on. Right on, man. Okay. Talk to you later.